When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Saturday Story Circle, always on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated G for general audience. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight we take you on a journey back in time to the year 1946. The Second World War has been over for about a year. Americans are emerging from several years of scrimping, saving, and rationing, and are looking forward to a new prosperity. Television is still in its developmental stages, and radio is king in homes across the country, bringing news, information, and entertainment to all, all day, every day. Outside the home, movies are your best entertainment. And on this particular day, 75 years ago, theater marquees all across the United States are advertising a new film starring James Stewart and Donna Reed. It's Mr. Stewart's first film since returning from the war, and Miss Reed's first starring role. Will it be a hit or a flop? Well, from our comfortable chairs in the year 2021, we know how it turns out. From a rocky start, this film becomes one of the most beloved holiday pictures in history. And what better way to celebrate its 75th anniversary than by presenting the 1947 radio adaptation of this film. It's a wonderful life. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the Narada Radio Company. Mr. Shields presents It's a Wonderful Life. The makers of Fester Shield cigarettes are proud to bring you the Narada Radio Company on the air. We'll begin our presentation of It's a Wonderful Life immediately following this important word from our sponsor, Fester Shield Cigarettes. Fester Shields don't go to waste No disgusting aftertaste Flavored with library paste Get some Fester Shields They pacify Have you tried Fester Shield cigarettes? Only taste will tell So why not try the taste test? Simply purchase a pack of Fester Shields And remove the paper from each cigarette 
and then pour the tobacco into a bowl. Now taste it. Makes you sick, doesn't it? You see, ladies and gentlemen, you simply can't go around tasting cigarettes. You've got to smoke them. Here's what Mrs. Snagueras of Hollywood, California has to say. <coughs> Mrs. Snagueras, you're a regular smoker of Fester Shield cigarettes? <coughs> yes. Well, after you've smoked a pack of our brand, is your cough better or worse? <coughs> better. <coughs> Much better. So remember, friends. Hacking, wheezing, coughing fits doesn't mean you call it quits. Smoke as much as life permits and make you faster shields. They pacify. Tonight, the Narado Radio Players present with great pride one of the screen's long-standing holiday favorites, the tender and moving story of a simple man, based on the story by Philip Van Doren Stern and directed by Frank Kaplan. The Narado Radio Company in It's a Wonderful Life. I owe everything to George Bailey. Help him, dear father. Joseph, Jesus, and Mary, help my friend, Mr. Bailey. Keep my son safe. He never thinks about himself, God. That's why he's in trouble. George is a good guy. Give him a break, God. I love him, dear Lord. Watch over him tonight. Please, God. Something's the matter with Daddy. This is the story of George Bailey, citizen of Bedford Falls, New York. George Bailey, who, more than anything under the sun, wanted to see the world, the wonderful, exciting world that lay somewhere beyond the limits of his hometown. Oddly enough, this story does not begin at Bedford Falls. In fact, it doesn't begin anywhere in the world. It begins... On a celestial plane, where Franklin, the superintendent of, of angels, is in conference with the second in command, Joseph. Hello, Joseph. Trouble? Looks like we'll have to send someone down to Bedford Falls, sir. A lot of people asking us to help a man named George Bailey. Yes, tonight's his crucial night. You're right, we'll have to send someone down immediately. Whose turn is it? That's why I came to see you, sir. It's the clockmaker's turn again. Oh, Clarence hasn't got his wings yet, has he? <laughs> we passed him up right along. Because you know, sir, he's got the IQ of a rabbit. Yes, but he's got the faith of a child. Simple. <laughs> Joseph, send for Clarence. You sent for me, sir? Yes, Clarence. A man down on Earth needs our help. Splendid, sir. Is he, is he sick? Oh, no, worse. He's discouraged. At exactly 10.45 p.m. tonight, Earth time, he'll be thinking seriously of throwing away God's greatest gift. Oh, dear, dear, his life. Uh, then I've only got an hour to dress. What are they wearing now? Clarence, you will spend this next hour getting acquainted with George Bailey. Sir... <clears throat> If I should accomplish my mission, might I perhaps win my wings? I've been waiting for over 200 years now, and sir, and, well, people are beginning to talk. 
What's that book you've got? The Adventures of Tom Sawyer. You do a good job on George Bailey, Clarence, and you'll get your wings. Oh, thank you, sir. Thank you. Poor George. Clarence, sit down. Sit down? What are you... If you're going to help a man, you want to know something about him, don't you? Well, naturally, of course. Well, keep your eyes open. See the town? Where? I, I don't see a thing. Oh, I forgot. You haven't got your wings yet. Now look, I'll help you out. Concentrate. Begin to see something? Why, yes. Is that Bedford Falls? This is amazing. If you ever get your wings, you'll see all by yourself. Oh, wonderful. Now listen. When George Bailey was a boy, two events occurred that you should keep in mind. One was when his young brother, Harry, fell through the ice and almost drowned. George saved him. Brother fell through the ice. George saved him. Ever since, George has had a bad ear. All that icy water, you understand? Bad ear. Yes, sir. The other event came a few months later. George used to work after school in Mr. Gower's drugstore. There's George now with his friends walking to work. Can you see him? Why, he's just a boy. Oh, that's when he was 12, back in 1919. Look, fellas, it's Mr. Potter. Yeah! <laughs> Who was that in the carriage? A king? That was Henry F. Potter, the richest and meanest man in the county. Well, here's Gower's drugstore. So long, fellas. Hee-haw! Hee-haw! Yeah, go, go to, to work. work, slave. Hee-haw! And now, you see that little girl at the counter? That's Mary Hatch. She's nine years old, and she's in love with George. In love, sir? Well, listen. Made up your mind yet? I'll take chocolate. With shredded coconut? Mm, I don't like coconut. You don't like coconut? Say, Brainless, don't you know where coconuts come from? Looky here. From Tahiti, Fiji Island, the Coral Sea. A new magazine. I never saw it before. Of course you never. Only us explorers can get it. I've been nominated for membership in the National Geographic Society. Now keep quiet a minute. I gotta scoop up your ice cream. Is this your bad ear, George? I love you, George Bailey. I'll love you till the day I die. Of course, George has no idea that Clarence... But, sir, she just told him. Yes, but she made sure she was talking to George's bad ear. <clears throat> now, back to Mr. Gower. One day, Mr. Gower's only son died of influenza at the university. It was a terrible blow, and poor Mr. Gower tried to lose his grief in whiskey. Wait a bit, George. Mrs. Blaney's called twice. What happened to her prescription? You lost it, didn't you? No, Mr. Gower. Uh, here it is. Are you good for nothing? Don't you know the Blaine girl's very sick? Mr. Gower, my ear. You're hurting my sore ear. I'll teach you to loaf, you lazy brat. Oh, Mr. Gower, you don't know what you're doing. You put something wrong in those capsules. Shut up. <laughs> I, I know you feel bad, Mr. Gower. I, I saw the telegram, but look, look, this bottle. You use this bottle to make up the capsules. It's poison. Poison? Don't hurt my sore ear again, Mr. Gower. Poison? <laughs> oh, George. George. <laughs> it's why I didn't deliver, Mr. Gower. I just wanted to make sure. Oh, George, George, George. I'll never tell Mr. Gower. 
I'll never tell a single soul. Well, Clarence, that was George Bailey as a boy. Now, let us move on to 1928. Look at this one here. Overnight bag, genuine English cowhide, combination lock, fitted up with brushes, combs. Nope, 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 nope. Now look, Joe, now look. I I want a big one. What did you stop it for? I want you to take a good look at that face. Who is it? George Bailey. Oh, you mean the kid that had his ears slapped back by the druggist? That's the kid. It's a good face. I like it. I like George Bailey. Tell me, did he ever tell anyone about the pills? Not a soul. Did he ever marry the girl? Did he ever go exploring? Well, wait and see. Now, when he grew up, he wanted to go to college, but there just wasn't the money. So he worked four years in the Building and Loan Association. Building and Loan Association? Oh, I forgot to tell you, George's father was in the Building and Loan business. He and his brother, George's Uncle Billy, high ideals and low bank account. Anyway, George worked for his father and saved enough to see him through the university. That summer, though, he was going to Europe. Got a job on a cattle boat, do a little traveling before college. Big C, I don't want a bag for just one night. I want something for a thousand and one nights. With plenty of room for labels from Italy and Baghdad. Samarkand, a great big one. <laughs> I see. A flying carpet, huh? <laughs> I don't suppose you'd like this old second-hand job, would you? Now you're talking. Gee whiz, I could use this as a raft in case the boat sunk. <laughs> How much you want for it? No charge. Uh, that's my trick here, Joe. It sounded as if you said no charge. That's right. Looky here. Hey, what's my name doing on it? A little present from old man Gower. Came down and picked it out himself. Well, what do you know about that? My old boss. So what boat you sailing on? I'm working across on a cattle boat. A cattle boat? Okay, so I like cows. Annie, hey Annie, you got those pies for the school dance? Yes, come on in the kitchen, Harry. Oh, hey, careful now. Don't push. I'll smack you with this broom. Oh, but Annie, Annie, I'm in love with you. There's a bird out there. Ah! Boy, oh boy, oh boy. It's my last night at the old Bailey boarding house. What's for dinner? Pop, can I have the car? I'm going to need to take some plates and things over. Harry Bailey, you're not taking my best china. Oh, but Ma, you know I'm the chairman of the Eats Committee. We only need a couple dozen. Oh, dear, my blood pressure, that toy. I'll let him have the plates, Mother. Hope you have a good trip, George. Uncle Billy and I are going to miss you. I'm going to miss you too, Pop. Hey, what's the matter? You look tired. Oh, I had another tussle with Potter today. Oh. I thought when we put him on the board of directors, he'd ease up a little on us. I wonder what's eating that old money-grubbing buzzard anyway. Oh, he's a sick man, George. Frustrated and sick. Sick in his mind, sick in his soul, if he has one. Hates everybody that has anything that he can't have. Hates us mostly, I guess. Gangway, gangway, man with pies are coming. Those, so long, pup. Put those pies in the car and I'll get your tie and studs ready. And don't drop anything. Okay, Ma. So long, son. Got a match? Ha <laughs> ha, very fun. Be careful with that tuxedo, too. I should care. It's George's tux. Hey, George, you coming? You coming later? What do you mean? And be bored to death? Well, you couldn't want a better death. Lots of pretty girls. And we're going to use that new floor you designed tonight, too. I hope it works. No gin tonight, son. Ah, oh, Pop, just a little. No, son, not one drop. Ah. Oh. Boys and girls and music, why do they need gin? <laughs> da, 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 da. 
Did I act like that when I graduated high school? Pretty much. You know, George, I wish we could send Harry to college with you. Your mother and I will talk it over half the night. Oh, we've got that all figured out now, Pop. He'll take my job at the building alone, work four years like I did, then he'll go. Uh, he's pretty young for that job. Well, no younger than I was. Well, you were born older, George. How's that? I say you were born older. I suppose you've decided what you're going to do when you get out of college. Oh, well, you know what I've always talked about. Build things. Design new buildings, plan modern silly. All that stuff I was talking about. Still after that first million before you're 30. <laughs> no, I'll settle for half of that in cash. <laughs> well, of course, it's just a hope. But uh, wouldn't you consider coming back to the building and loan, would you? Well, I... Well, Annie, why don't you drop a chair and sit down so you can hear everything? Oh, what if I thought I heard something worth listening to? <laughs> I know it's too soon to talk about it. Oh, no. Now, Pop, I, I just couldn't. I couldn't face being cooped up for the rest of my life in a shabby little office. Oh, I'm sorry, Pop. I didn't mean that, but this business of nickels and dimes and spending all your life trying to figure out how to save three cents on a length of pipe, I'd go crazy. I want to do something big, something important. You know, George, I feel that in a small way we are doing something important, satisfying our fundamental urge. It's deep in a man's nature for him to want his own roof and walls and a fireplace. And we're helping him get those things in our shabby little office. I know. I know, Pop. I just wish that I felt that I... But, but I've been hoarding pennies like a miser in order to... Most of my friends have already finished college. I, I just feel like if I didn't get away, I'd bust. Yes, yes, yes. You're right, son. You see what I mean, don't you, Pop? This town is no place for any man unless he's willing to crawl to Potter. You've got talent, George. I've seen it. You get yourself an education, then you get out of here. Ah, oh, Pop. Pop, you want a shock? I think you're a great guy. Now, did you hear that, Annie? I heard it. About time one of you lunkheads said it. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna miss old Annie. Pop, I think I'll get dressed to go over to Harry's dance. Have a good time, son. So George Bailey went to a dance. Is that important, Joseph? Why, it was at that dance that he met Mary Hatch again. There was a mishap where George and Mary fell into the swimming pool. The dance was held at the swimming pool? The, the, the dance was held in the school gym, and the floor of the gym was over the pool. And a student pushed the switch that opened the floor, and... Oh. And a short time later, he was walking her home. You've stolen my heart. You have stolen my heart. Now don't go away. Now don't go away. As Just like an organ. At least. Gee whiz, and I told Harry I thought I'd be bored to death. <laughs> you should have seen the commotion in the locker room with everybody trying to get football uniforms and such. I had to knock down three guys to get that robe you've got on. Oh, and do I look as funny as you do? <laughs> I guess I'm not quite the football type. You look wonderful. You know something? If it wasn't me talking, I'd say you were the prettiest girl in town. 
Well, why don't you say it? I don't know. Maybe I will. How old are you anyway? Eighteen. Eighteen? Well, it was only last year you were seventeen. <laughs> too young or too old? Oh, no. Just right. Your age fits you. <laughs> oh, uh, sorry. Uh, I, I didn't mean to step on your belt. Sir, my train, please. A pox upon me for a clumsy lout. Your, uh, your caboose, milady. You may kiss my hand. Oh. Hey. Mary? We were sailing along on moonlight. Okay, then I'll throw a rock at the old Granville house. Oh, no, don't. I love that old place. Don't you know about deserted houses? You make a wish and then you throw a rock at a window. Oh, no, George, don't. It's full of romance, that old place. And I'd like to live in it. In that place? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't live in it as a ghost. Now watch. It, it's pretty tough to find a window that isn't broken. Oh, watch this. On the second floor there. Here we go. <laughs> How about that, huh? Pretty good shot, eh? What'd you wish, George? Well, not just one wish. A whole hatful. Mary, I'm shaking the dust of this crummy town off my feet, and I'm going to see the world. Italy, Greece, the Parthenon, the Colosseum. And then I'm coming back here to go to college and see what they know. And then I'm going to build things. Airfields and skyscrapers a hundred stories high. And bridges a mile long. Give and me then that I'm gonna... one there. You're going to throw a rock? Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah, that's pretty good. What, what do you wish, Mary? <laughs> As we sang love's old sweet, sweet song, song on Moonlight Bay, Bay, on Moonlight Bay. What did you wish for when you threw that rock? <laughs> come on, tell me. If I told you, it might not come true. What is it you want, Mary? What do you want, huh? You want the moon? All you gotta do, just say the word and I'll lasso it for you. Yeah, it's a pretty good idea. I'll give you the moon, Mary. Okay, the moon. I'll take it. Then what? Then what? Well, well, then you could swallow it. And it'd dissolve like an aspirin, see? And the moonbeams would shoot out of your fingers and your toes and the ends of your hair and then, and, and, and am I talking too much? Yes! <laughs> Old man Collins on his porch. Why don't you kiss her instead of talking her to death? How's that? I said, why don't you kiss her instead of talking her to death? You want me to kiss her, huh? Ah, uh, youth is wasted on the wrong people. Hey, 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 hold on. Hey, mister, come on back out here and I'll show you some kissing. That'll put hair back on your head. I'll show you some kissing that'll make you think that you're... George! Hey, Uncle Billy, look here. I'm going to kiss Mary. George, Watch. George, get in the car, quick. Your father's had a stroke. What? I'm, I'm sorry, Mary. I, I've got to go. Come on, George. Let's hurry. George? Well, George's father died that night, Clarence. So, of course, George couldn't go to Europe. But that fall, just as he was ready to leave for college, the directors of the building and loan had a meeting. They were going to appoint a successor, successor to, to our Mr. dear Bailey. friend, Peter Bailey. Dr. Campbell, I'd like to get to my real purpose. Now, wait a minute. No, you wait a minute. I claim this institution is not necessary to this town. Therefore, Mr. Chairman, I make a motion to dissolve this institution and turn its assets and liabilities over to the receiver. Now, really, Mr. Potter, it's too soon after Peter Bailey's death to discuss chloroforming the building and loan. Peter Bailey died three months ago. Is anybody going to second my motion? 
if we are going to discuss this, I'll ask the two executive officers, Billy and George, to withdraw. But before you go, I'm sure the whole board believes, as I do, that Peter Bailey's face and devotion were responsible for this organization. I'll go further than that. I'll say that to the public, Peter Bailey was the building and loan. Oh, that's just fine, Potter, coming from you, considering that you probably drove him to his grave. Peter Bailey was not a businessman. Ideals without common sense can ruin a town. For example, I know for a fact that if you shoot pool with some employee of this establishment, you can come later and borrow money. What does that get us? A discontented, lazy rabble instead of a thrifty working class. And all because a few starry-eyed dreamers like Peter Bailey fill their heads with a lot of impossible ideas. Now, I say... Just a minute. Just a minute. Now, hold on, Mr. Potter. You're right when you say my father was no businessman. Why he ever started this cheap penny any building alone, I'll never know. But neither you nor anybody else can say anything against its character. Why, in the 25 years since he and Uncle Billy started this thing, he never once thought of himself. Isn't that right, Uncle Billy? But he did help a few people out of your slums, Mr. Potter. What's wrong with that? Doesn't that make them better citizens? Doesn't that make them better customers? Just remember this, Mr. Potter. That this rabble you're talking about, they do most of the working and paying and living and dying in this community. Well, is it too much to have them work and pay and live and die in a couple of decent rooms in a bath? Anyway, my father didn't think so. People were human beings to him. But to you, a warped, frustrated old man, they're cattle. Well, in my book, he died a much richer man than you'll ever be. I'm not interested in your book. I'm talking about the building and loan. You're talking about something you can't get your fingers on and it's galling. That's what you're talking about. Well, this town needs this measly one-horse institution if only to have some place where people can borrow money without crawling to you. Now, come on, Uncle Billy. Sentimental hogwash. I want my motion. <laughs> boy, oh boy. That was telling him, George, old boy. <laughs> you shut his big mouth. Cousin <laughs> Tilly, you, you should have heard George. What happened? Yeah, what happened? We heard a lot of yelling. Well, they're voting us out of business after 25 years. <laughs> easy come, easy go. Who cares? I could get another job. I'm only 41. 45? Will you get out of here, George? You missed your boat trip and you're a week late for school already. Go on. I wonder what's going on in there. Don't worry about that. So they're putting us out of business. So what? I could get another job. I'm only 55. Hmm. 56. George! George! We just voted Potter down! We are still in business! We're still in business! We're still in business! (laughs) But there's one condition, George. They've appointed you to take your father's place as executive secretary. Oh, Oh, no, but Uncle Billy... You can keep him on. As secretary, you can hire anyone you like. Dr. Campbell, now let's get this thing straight. I'm leaving. I'm leaving right now. I'm going to college. Look, this is my last chance. Uncle Billy here, he's your man. But George, you've got to take it. So vote with Pater otherwise. We'll return to It's a Wonderful Life after this important word from our sponsor, Fester Shield Cigarettes. Older folks say we're too young, but we think that smoking's fun. Plus, we have these nicely lungs. Junior Fester Shield. They pacify. Well, hello, young man. May I help you? Yeah. Oh, I was thinking of starting up smoking. 
And I don't know which brand to try. Really? Well, there's nothing better for your image than to be seen smoking by people. Is there some girl you're trying to impress? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I remember those days. (laughs) So all I need to know is your age. My what? Your age. How old are you? Um, uh, I'm 18. Really? Well, uh, 16. Uh Uh-huh. You look more like 14 to me. Are you 14? Uh, 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 on my next birthday. Close enough. Now, for brand new smokers age 14 and up, I recommend Festu Shield Juniors. They're a special blend of Virginia and Turkish tobaccos designed to be milder on your tender teenage throat. Oh, that sounds good. Plus, they're half the length of regular Festu Shields, so they don't go to waste if your mom or dad walk in on you suddenly. Gee, good thinking. And the best thing of all is they've got the same amount of nicotine as a full-size Festu Shield. <laughs> nicotine? What? that? Oh, it's just, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's just a special flavoring. <laughs> Nothing to worry about. All of that sounds super keen. I'll take a pack. How much are they? $7.50. Oh, well, I think I have that much. Let's mm-hmm. see. A, a 10, 15, 25, mm-hmm. 50, 70. Uh, how much did you say they were? Seven fifty. Oh, okay. Uh, um, oh, darn. I lost count. Uh, uh, 25, 50, 75, a uh, dollar. Oh, jeez. Francis? Mom! Oh, thank God. I can't believe you're in here trying to buy cigarettes. What did your father and I tell you? But, Ma, all the kids at school are smoking now. Well, you'll just have to wait until after your next birthday. For now, you march your little fanny home this instant. Bye. I'll deal with you later. The lady, he told me he was 18. Oh, shut up and give me two cartons of Fester Shields. When you start the smoking scene, don't do that vacation routine. Wait until at least 14. And make it Fester Shields. Juniors. They pacify. The curtain rises once more on It's a Wonderful Life. In Bedford Falls, George Bailey has been dealt another blow after the untimely death of his father. And watching from above. I know, I know. George didn't go to college. That's right, Clarence. Not only that, but he gave his college money to Harry and sent him to school. Yes, but what happened to George? George got four years older, waiting for Harry to come back and take over the building alone. He could still see the world. He planned to look for work in Venezuela or the Yukon. There she blows. You know what the three most exciting sounds in the world are? Uh-huh. Breakfast is served, lunch is served, dinner is... No, 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 no. Anchor chains, plane motors, and train whistles. Ah, have a peanut... But George was in for a shock when Harry got off that train. He wasn't alone. There was a girl with him, his wife. George played it off as if it was no big deal. Even hosted a celebratory party for the newlyweds. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, what a party. Hey, hey, George, I feel so good I can spit in Potter's eye. 
I think I will. <laughs> you, you better go home instead, Uncle Billy. It's that way. That way. That way. Oh, that way. I'll see you later, me old building and alone pal. All of me. Why not take all of me? I'm all right. I'm all right. <laughs> oh. George? Yeah, I'm out here, Ma. Just, just thought I'd get some air. <laughs> well, how do you like your new sister-in-law? She's swell. Looks like she can keep Harry on his toes. Yeah, keep him out of bed for falls anyway. Uh, what do you mean? Well, Ruth's father, uh, he, he's got a wonderful job for Harry up in Buffalo. Buffalo? Yeah. Well, well that means you, uh, you can't... Uh... Yeah. <sighs> George? Did you know Mary Hatch is back from school? Uh-huh. Came back three days ago. Hmm. Nice girl, Mary. Hmm. The kind that will help you find the answers, George. Hmm. Oh, stop that grunting. Hmm? Can you give me one good reason why you shouldn't call on Mary? Sure. Sam Wainwright. Sam's crazy about her. Well, she's not crazy about him. Well, now how do you know that? Did you dis- did she discuss it with you? How- well, how you- I've got eyes, haven't I? She lights up like a firefly whenever you're around. And besides, Sam is away in New York. And I'm here in Bedford Falls. Well, yes. And all's fair in love and war. (laughs) I don't know about war. Mother, you know I can see right through you. Trying to get rid of me, huh? Uh Uh-huh. Here's your hat. Well, it's your hurry, eh? Oh, all right, mother, me old building and loan pal. Think I'll go out and find a girl and do a little passionate necking. (laughs) Oh, Goodbye, Mrs. Bailey. By the way, do you want any books from the library? Library? George. George, you go and see Mary, do you hear? George, what are you doing? Picketing? Oh, uh-oh. hello, Mary. Uh, I just happened to be passing by. Yeah, so I noticed. Have you made up your mind? How's that? Have you made up your mind? About what? About coming in. Your mother just phoned and said you were coming over to pay me a visit. My mother just... Uh, how did she know? Didn't you tell her? I didn't tell anybody. I just went for a walk and happened to be passing by, that's all. Where'd you go? I'll be downstairs, Mother. All right, dear. Well, are you coming in or aren't you? Well, all right. I'll, I'll come in for a minute. Didn't tell anybody I was coming over here. Bella can't even go for a walk with her. When did you get back? Tuesday. Where'd you get that dress? Do you like it? It's all right. Thought you'd go back to New York with Sam and Ingie and the rest of them. Well, I guess I got homesick. Homesick? For Bedford Falls? Mm-hmm. Well, no point standing here on the porch. Come on in. All right, for a minute. Still don't understand it, though. I didn't tell anybody I was coming here. Would you rather leave? No, I don't want to be rude. I'll sit down for a while. It's nice about your brother and Ruth, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's all right. Don't you like her? Of course I like her. She's a peach. Oh, 
It's just marriage in general you're not enthusiastic about. Hmm. No, marriage is all right for a lot of people. It's all right for Harry and Sam and you. For Sam? Mary, who's down there with you? It's George Bailey, Mother. What's he want? I don't know. What do you want? Me? Not a thing. Not a thing. I just came in to get warm. He's making violent love to me, Mother. You just tell him to go right back home. Sam said he'd call you tonight from New York, didn't he? I guess so. How about some music? You know, your, your mother didn't... You know I didn't come here to... What did you come here for? I don't know. You're supposed to be the one that has all the answers. You tell me. Why don't you go home? I don't know why I came here in the first place. Good night. Good night. Mary, you're shouting, Mary, you think what? Mary, it's Sam. All right, I'll give you two hundred on your way out. Do you mind shooting off the phone? I'd be very happy to. Doggone crazy song. Hello, Sam. Mary, gee, it's good to hear your voice. How are you, Sam? I forgot my hat. Hee-haw. What? I was just talking to an old friend of yours, George Bailey. Oh, you mean old Mossback George? Yes, old Mossback George. Well, put him on. I'll talk to him, too. Wait a second. George? He doesn't want to speak to George. He does, so he asked for him. George? Did, did you call me? Sam wants to talk to you. Oh. Um, hiya, Sam. Well, George Bailey-Ofsky. Hey, a fine pal you are. What are you trying to do, huh? Steal my girl? What do you mean? Nobody's trying to steal anybody's girl. Here, Mary, take the... Uh, no, wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, I want to speak to you both. Tell Mary to get on the extension upstairs. He says to get on the extension upstairs. Mother's on the extension. I am not! We can both hear. Just put your head a little closer. There. That's better. We're listening, Sam. Well, I have a big deal coming up that's going to make us all rich. George, you remember that night in Martini's bar when you told me you read someplace about making plastics out of soybeans? Huh? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Soybeans. Yeah. Well, Dad snapped up the idea, and now he's going to build a factory outside of Rochester. How do you like that? Rochester? Oh, why, 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 why not Rochester? Well, why not? I mean, can you think of anything better? Well, why not right here? You remember that old tool of machinery works? You tell your father he can get that for a song. And all the labor he wants, too. Half the town was thrown out of work when they closed down. That's so? Hey, that sounds great. I'll tell Dad. Oh, Georgie, I knew you'd come through. And here's the point, George. I may have a job for you unless you're still married to that broken-down building and loan. This is the biggest thing since radio, and I'm letting you in on the ground floor. Mary! I'm here. You tell that guy I'm giving him the chance of a lifetime, you hear? The chance of a lifetime! Give me that phone. George. Now you listen to me. I don't want any plastics. I don't want any ground floors. And I don't want any job. And I don't want to get married. Ever. To anyone. You understand that? I want to do what I want to do. And you're not going to trick me. And you're... You're married. I'm married. I'm oh, married. Darling. What's going on down here? I... <gasps> Mary! <sighs> Mary. Yes, George? Don't you think?
Well, well. So George Bailey and Mary Hatch were... Yes, George and Mary were married. Well, Eddie, it's just you and me now. <laughs> Couple of old maids. Speak for yourself, Mrs. B. And they started off on their honeymoon in Ernie Bishop's taxi cab. If <laughs> uh, either of you see a stranger around here, it's me. Oh, hey, look, somebody's driving this cab. Bert, the cop sent this bottle over. Said you should float away to Happy Land on the bubble. Sure, oh, Bert. Uh, by the way, where are you two going on this year now honeymoon? Where are we going? Look at this. Here's the kitty, Ernie. <laughs> Here, come on, count it, Mary. Have you ever seen so much money? I feel like a bootlegger's wife. <laughs> you know what we're going to do? We're going to shoot the works. A whole week in New York, a whole week in Bermuda, the highest hotels, the oldest champagne, the richest caviar, the hottest music, and the prettiest wife. <laughs> that does it. And uh, what then? Then what, honey? After that, who cares? Hot dog. That <laughs> does it. Come here, you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, don't look now, George, but there's something funny going on over at the bank. I've never really seen one before, but that's got all the earmarks of a run. Hey, Ernie, if you got any money in the bank, you better hurry. George, let's not stop, please. Let's go straight to the station. Now, wait a minute. Better see what it is. Uh-oh. There's another mob down the street at the building in Loma. I'll be right back, Mary. George, please. George! Poor George Bailey. Oh, he's certainly in desperate trouble, Joseph. I'll go to him at once. Now, if you sit down, Clarence. Sit down. We're nowhere near the point where George Bailey is thinking of taking his life. We're not? Now, where were we? <clears throat> oh, yes. George and Mary had just started out on their honeymoon when they ran into the financial panic of 1932 in the waiting room of the building and loan a hundred frantic people were clamoring for their savings. Hey, what's going on, Uncle Billy? What's happened? Why didn't you call me? All those people out there. I just did, but they said you'd left. Oh, George, this is a pickle. All right, now, what happened? How did it start? How does anything like this ever start? All I know is the bank called our loan about an hour ago. I had to hand over all our ready cash, and even then it wasn't enough. Oh, holy mackerel. I got scared, George, and shut us up back here. I, I... The whole I, town's gone crazy. I... Yes? Hello? George, it's Potter. Hello? George, there's a rumor around town that you've shut your doors. Is that true? No, Mr. Potter. Oh, well, I'm very glad to hear that. George, are you all right? Do you need any police? Police? What for? Well, mobs get pretty ugly sometimes, you know. Now, I'm willing to offer to your people the same deal I made to the bank's customers. Uncle Billy, he just took over the bank. I'll probably lose a fortune, but you tell your people to bring their shares over here, and I'll pay them 50 cents on the dollar. Oh, you never miss a trick, do you, Potter? Well, you're going to miss this one. Your charter says you must stay open till 6 p.m. The state will take away your license if you're not. George, was it a nice wedding? Gosh, I wanted to be there. Yeah. (laughs) You can take this string off your finger now. Well, let's go out and talk to those people. George, what's going on? Where's our money? Now listen, folks, just a minute, please. Just remember, this thing is not as black as it appears. Well, how about our money, George? Where's our money? Wait a minute now. Listen to me. You're thinking of this place all wrong. 
as if I had the money back in a safe. The, the money's not here. The money's in Joe's house, Charlie, right next to yours. And in the Kennedy house, and Mrs. Macklin's house, and your house, and a hundred others. Why, they're lending you the money to build, and then they're going to pay it back to you as best they can. Now, what are you going to do? Foreclose on them? I got $242 in shares. And $242 never bankrupted anybody. Now, let me have it. All right. All right, Tom. Fill out this form, and you'll get your money in 60 days. 60 days? Now, look, that's what you agreed on when you bought your shares. Well, but that's not fair. Tom, did you get your money? No. Well, I did. Old man Potter, I'll pay you 50 cents on the dollar for every share you got. Oh, 50? That's what just half. Yes, cash. Let's take our shares to Potter. Half is better than nothing. Tom, yeah. Rand Randall, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Please listen to me. I beg of you not to do this thing. If, if Potter gets a hold of this building alone, there'll never be another decent house built in this town. He's already got charge of the bank. He's got the bus line. He's got the department stores. And now he's after us. Why? Well, it's very simple. Because we're cutting in on his business. That's why. Because he wants to keep you living in his slums and paying the kind of rent he decides to charge. Joe, you lived in one of his houses, didn't you? Well, have you forgotten? Have you forgotten what he charged you for that broken down shack? Here, Ed, don't you remember last year when things weren't going so well and you couldn't make your payments? You didn't lose your house, did you? You think Potter would have let you keep it? Now, folks, can't you understand what's happening here? Potter isn't selling. Potter's buying. Why? Because we're panicky and he's not. So he's picking up some bargains. Now, we can get through this thing, all right? We've got to stick together, though. We've, we've got to have faith in each other. But my husband's out of work, and we need money. I got doctor bills to pay. I need cash, George. I can't feed my kids on faith. Yeah, 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 yeah. What's going to happen? How much do you need? Hey, Mary. Wait a minute, folks. Listen, I got $2,000. This will tie us over until the bank reopens. All right, now, Tom, how much do you need? $242. Tom... Just enough to tide you over. I said $242. Okay, okay. This'll close out my account. Your account's still here, Tom. That's a loan, okay? And now, all right, um, Ed. I've got $300 here, George. Uh, now, Ed, how much just to get by until the bank opens? Uh, I suppose $20? $20. Now you're talking. Five, seven, fifty, twenty. Uh, Mrs. Thompson, how about you? Could I have seventeen fifty? Seventeen? Of course you can. Bless your heart. Five, six, seven, eight. Oh, look at the clock. Look, we're gonna make it, George. They'll never close this up today. Five, four, three, two, one. Bingo! Six o'clock. We made it. Lock that door, Eustace, quick. Look, we're still in business, Uncle Billy. We still got two bucks left. We're a couple of financial wizards. Regular Rockefeller. Let's sing a song of love to Mama Dollar and Papa Dollar. <laughs> if you want the old building alone to stay in business, you better have a family real quick. Let's put him in the safe and see what happens. <laughs> Wedding cigars. Wedding cigars? Holy smokes, I'm married. Where's Mary? I got a train to catch. I wonder if Ernie's still here with his taxi cab. George, there's a call for you. Uh, look, Tilly, would you, will you get my wife on the phone? She's probably over at her mother's. Mrs. Bailey is on the line. I don't want Mrs. Bailey. I want my wife. Mrs. Bailey... Oh, that's my wife. Uh, give me the phone, will you? Hey, Mary, listen, I'm sorry. What? Come home? What home? 320 Sycamore? Well, well, whose home is that? Well, Mary, how can I... Sure. I'll be there. Clarence? 
guess what 326 Laura was? His mother-in-law's house, huh? Oh, no. Number 320 Sycamore was the old Granville house, the one George and Mary threw rocks at and made wishes. started housekeeping. They were still living there two years later when old man Potter asked George to stop over at his office. <clears throat> sit down, George, sit down. Uh, have a cigar. Thank you, sir. Oh, it's quite a scar, <laughs> Mr. Potter. You like it? I'll send you a box. Now, George, you're probably wondering why I wanted to see you. Figure I'd find out sooner or later. Hmm? Oh, yes. Yes, very amusing, George. That's just what I like so much about you. Now, you know as well as I do that the Bailey Building and Loan is the only thing I don't own in this town. You know also that for a number of years I've been trying to get control of it, or kill it, but you have stopped me, and in fact you've beaten me, and that takes some doing. Now, let's talk about you. You're a young man, married, making, say, $40 a week? 45 Forty-five. Now, if you were a common, ordinary yokel, I'd say you were doing fine. But George Bailey is intelligent, ambitious. He hates the building and loan almost as much as I do. He's been dying to get out of town ever since he was born. But he's trapped. Trapped into frittering his life away, playing nursemaid to a lot of garlic eaters. Do I paint a correct picture, George, or do I exaggerate? Well, what's your point, Mr. Potter? My point is that I want to hire you, run my properties, manage my affairs. I'll start you out at $20,000. $20,000? A year? Uh, now, you're not talking to somebody else around here, are you? You know, this is me. You remember me. I'm George Bailey. Yes, George Bailey, whose ship has just come in, provided he has brains enough to climb aboard. Well, what about the building and loan? Confound it, man. Are you afraid of success? I'm offering you a three-year contract at $20,000 a year starting today. Is it a deal or isn't it? Well, gee, Mr. Potter, I... Uh... Would you like some time to think it over? Maybe talk it over with your wife? No. Now, wait a minute here. I don't have to talk to anybody. I know right now, and the answer's no. No! Doggone it! You sit around here and you spin your little webs and you think the whole world revolves around you and your money. Well, it doesn't, Mr. Potter. In the whole vast configuration of things, you're nothing but a scurvy little spider. If you offered me a million dollars to stay around this town and play Stucci, the answer would still be no. Now let me out of this place. In a few moments, we'll take a short interlude in our presentation of It's a Wonderful Life, starring the Narada Radio Company. But first, we pause for station identification and a word from our sponsor. This is the Mutual Audio Network. 
Buster Shield, for goodness sake, drop that pen, put down that rake. It's time for an extended break with Buster Shield. They pacify. What's the problem, officer? What's the problem? Uh, didn't I just see you swerving all over the road just now? <laughs> oh, was I doing that? It must have been because I dropped my lighter when I was lighting my... Do I smell the distinct aroma of a... Vester Shield cigarette? <laughs> you sure do, officer. Would you like one? Well, I'm not sure. I still have two hours left. Before my break. But isn't it time for your break? Well, maybe. Show over. Policeman can become your friend when your Vester Shield's relent. Suddenly the rules can bend when you got Vester Shield. Officer Jones, return to station. Officer Jones, your shift ended an hour ago. Time to come home. Officer Jones? Jonesy, car 54, where are you? They pacify. We'll be back in a few minutes with part two of It's a Wonderful Life, starring the Dorado Radio Company. Welcome back to It's a Wonderful Life, starring the Narado Radio Company and brought to you by Fester Shields. What do you think you're doing, chum? Drinking beer or chewing gum? Don't you know you should be smoking some? Fester Shields! They pacify! That's right, friends. Whatever you think you should be doing, working on that important project, fixing dinner for the family, finding the solution to that impossible math problem, whatever, the thing you should be doing is smoking those wonderful Fester Shield cigarettes. Yes, friends, the makers of Fester Shield, your shield of quality for more than a century, want you to remember that anything can wait while you enjoy a Fester Shield. And another, and another, <laughs> and another. Pick up a few cartons tomorrow. And say, that reminds me, all this month you can find the delightful, colorful Fester Shield Christmas card carton on sale at all fine tobacconists. And that makes a carton of delicious Fester Shields the perfect gift for all of your friends who are too busy these days. Yes, sir. A Fester Shield will slow them down. They pacify. Dad, you've lost another job. Mom, you really are a slob. The house's on fire, but it's no prop. I got my Fester Shields. They pacified. Well, we're back at the pearly gates again, where the superintendent of angels is reviewing the case history of a mortal named George Bailey. Clarence, the apprentice angel, is very eager to depart on his mission to the earth. Oh, my goodness, Joseph. George was quite brave to stand up to old man Potter that way. And he said some things that needed to be said, Clarence. 
but remember this encounter and keep in mind that Mr. Potter didn't forget it either. Poor George. What did he do next? He went home to the house on Sycamore Street, and when he walked in, his eye was caught by a picture that Mary had made a long time ago, a sketch of him that read, George Lasso's the Moon. It was quiet, and Mary was asleep, and in the quiet of the house, a lot of memories came flooding into George's mind. I'm shaking the dust of this crummy little town off my feet, and I'm gonna see the world. But George Bailey is intelligent, ambitious. He hates the building alone almost as much as I do, but he's trapped. Trapped. What is it you want, Mary? You want the moon? Just say the word. I'll throw a lasso around it and hold it down for you. As we say, love's oh sweet song on moonlight bay. Hi. Hi. Mary Hatch, why in the world did you marry a guy like me anyway? To keep from being an old maid. You could have married Sam Wainwright or anybody else in town. Well, I don't want to marry anybody else in town. I want my baby to look like you. You didn't even have a honeymoon, and I promised you that. That, um, uh, your what? <laughs> my baby. Yeah, you mean, Mary, are you on the nest? <laughs> George Bailey Lasso's stork. Oh, what is it, a boy or a girl? Uh-huh. <laughs> Now, you've probably already guessed that George never leaves Bedford Falls. No. Mary had her baby, Clarence, a boy. You don't say. And she had another one, a girl. Well, what do you know? Day after day, she worked away remaking the old Granville house into a home. Night after night, George came home late from the office. Things weren't good with the building and loan. Potter was really bearing down on them. Then came the war. Ma Bailey and Mrs. Hatch joined the Red Cross and sewed. Oh. Mary had two more babies, but she still found time to run the USO. Mr. Gower and Uncle Billy sold war bonds. Mr. Potter was named head of the draft board. Bert the cop was wounded in North Africa. Ernie the taxi driver parachuted to France. And George's brother, Harry, topped them all. The Navy flyer, he shot down 15 planes, two of them as they were about to crash into a transport ship full of soldiers. George, what about George? George, 4F on account of his ear, fought the Battle of Bedford Falls. He was an air raid warden, organized scrap drives. Like everybody else on BE Day, he wept and prayed. On BJ Day, he wept and prayed again. Joseph, now show him what happened today. Yes, sir. Clarence, you now know almost everything you have to know about George Bailey, except what happened that finds him down there at this moment wanting to die. Well, sir, well? Today's the day before Christmas, about 10 a.m. Bedford Falls time. George is pretty excited as he walks down Main Street. Hey, good morning, George. Hi, Ernie. Uh, hey, will you look at that story in the paper? Huh. It's gonna snow again. What? <laughs> it's gonna snow again? Will you look at the dang headline? 
President decorates Harry Bailey. Local, Local boy wins, wins Congressional Medal of Honor. I know, I know, I think it's marvelous. Yeah, you said it. George, it's such wonderful news about Harry. I, uh, thanks, Mr. Gower. Commander Harry Bailey. Okay, here's your copy of the paper for you. And one for you, Ernie. See you later. Hey, Tilly, Eustace, extra, extra, read all about it. Did you hear the news? Gosh, George, gosh. It's wonderful. Oh, listen, Harry himself called before you got here. Says your mother had lunch with the president's wife. Oh, what do you know about that? Duh. Well, what did they have to eat? What did they? <laughs> he reversed the charges. Is that all right? All right. For a war hero, of course it's all right. What else did he say? The Navy is flying your mother home this afternoon. Uh, oh, in a plane? Uncle Billy? Uh, uh, has Uncle Billy come in yet? No, he stopped at the bank first. George, uh, George, that man's here again. The, the bank, uh, uh, the bank examiner. Mr. Carter. Uh-oh. Well, good afternoon, Mr. Carter. Merry Christmas. <laughs> hey, Tilly, get the books from Mr. Carter, will you? Uh, step right in here and we'll fix you up and you can spend Christmas with your family. You know, that's my brother's picture there, Mr. Carter. He shot down 15 planes. One of them. December 24th, 8th. Thousand dollars. Morning, Mr. Potter. Morning, Morning, Mr. Potter. Well, well, good morning, Mr. Potter. And what's the news this morning, eh? Give me back that paper. Well, 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 Harry Bailey wins Medal of Honor. <laughs> Couldn't be one of the Bailey boys. You just can't keep those Bailey boys down, now can you, Mr. Potter? And how did Slacker George react to the news? Oh, he feels very jealous, very jealous. Popped only three buttons off his vest. <laughs> of course, Slacker George would have gotten two of those medals if he'd gone. Yeah. After all, Potter, some people like George had to stay home. Not every heel was in Germany and Japan. <laughs> now, take your paper and let me get back to business. Gotta make a deposit. <sighs> well, here you are, Horace. Deposit slip, bank book, and a very Merry Christmas to you. You too, Mr. Bailey. Say, you've forgotten something, haven't you? Yeah, what's that? You want to make a deposit? Well, certainly I want to make oh, a deposit. Well, it's customary to bring the money with you. <laughs> of course, the money, the money is gone. Where did I put it? Where did I put that money? A terrible thing, Clarence. Terrible. Uncle Billy couldn't find the money because the envelope with $8,000 was folded up in that newspaper he gave to old man Potter. Oh, my. Yes, sir. Just terrible. Maybe. Maybe. I don't want any maybe. Uncle Billy, we've got to find that money. I traced my steps twice from here to the bank. I just don't know what happened to it, George. I just don't know. Listen to me. Do you have any secret hiding place here in the house? Uh, Some place you're going to put it to hide the money. I've been over the whole house, every room. Are you sure you didn't put the envelope in your pocket? I, I think so. Maybe it did. Man, <laughs> no good, dude. George, I'm no good. Now, listen to me. Think. Think! I can't think anymore, George. I can't think anymore. Where's that money, you stupid, silly old fool? You know what that means? It means bankruptcy and scandal and prison. That's what it means. One of us is going to jail. Well, it's not going to be me. You just think about that. I'm going home.
Isn't it wonderful about Harry? We're famous, George. I'll bet I had 50 calls today about the parade and the banquet. And, oh, Petey, be careful on the ladder and fill in that bare spot there. Good. Now here's the star and put it right at the very top. Or she keep playing that. I have to keep practicing for the Christmas party, Daddy. Come on out in the kitchen with me, George, while I finish dinner. What is it, dear? Another hectic day? Yeah. Another red-letter day for the Baileys. Dad, the Murphys next door got a brand new car. You should see it. What's the matter with our car, Pete? Isn't it good enough for you? Yes, Dad. Run upstairs, Petey, and see if Zuzu's all right. Okay, Mom. What do you mean, see if Zuzu's all right? What do you mean? She caught a little cold coming home from school. You know it's been snowing all day. She didn't button up her coat. What is it, a sore throat or what? George, the doctor says it's nothing serious. The doctor? Is the doctor here? Yes, I called him right away. He says it's nothing to worry about. It's this old house. I don't know why we don't all have pneumonia. Crafty old barn. We might as well be living in a refrigerator. Why do we have to live here in the first place and stay around this measly, crummy old town? George, what's wrong? Wrong? Everything's wrong. You call this a happy family? Why do we have to have all these kids? Daddy, how do you spell frankincense? I don't know. I'll ask your mother. Where are you going? Hello? Hello? Oh, thank you, Mrs. Walsh. I'm sure she'll be all right. Now, Susan's teacher. What? Oh, yes, the doctor says she ought to be out of bed in time to have her Christmas dinner. Here, give me that phone. Oh, George, please. Mrs. Walsh, this is George Bailey. Say, what kind of teacher are you anyway? What do you mean sending Zuzu home like that, half naked? Do you realize she'll probably end up with pneumonia on account of you? Is this the sort of thing we pay taxes for? George, stop. You know, maybe my kids aren't the best-dressed kids in town, George. but at least... Give me... Hello? Hello, Mrs. Walsh. I want to apologize. Hello? She's hung up. I'll hang her up. Dad, how do you spell hallelujah? How should I know? What do you think I am, a dictionary? Janie, haven't you learned that silly tune yet? You've played it over and over again. Now stop it, stop it! <laughs> George, why must you torture the children? For heaven's sakes, what's wrong with you? I'm sorry, Mary. Janie, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I've just got to get out of here. Hello, Uncle Billy? So that's it, George. You're short $8,000 in your accounts, eh? Been playing fast and loose with your depositor's money, have you? Maybe a little gambling? No. No, of course not. Please, Mr. Potter, I'll pay any sort of bonus you want if you still want the building alone. You say it was lost. Have you notified the police? No, sir, I haven't done that yet. Harry's homecoming tomorrow. Why come to me? What about your good friend, Sam Wainwright? I can't get a hold of him. He's in Europe. Please, Mr. Potter, you're the only one who can help me. Well, it seems I've suddenly become very important to you. So, what kind of security would I have, George? What collateral? Yes, sir. Uh, I have some life insurance here. Uh, a $15,000 policy. Mm. What's your equity in it? $500. And you want 8000 <laughs> You used to be all high and mighty. You once called me a warped, frustrated old man. Well, what are you but a warped, frustrated young man? 
crawling to me on your hands and knees for help. Why don't you go to the riffraff you love so well? Ask them to help you. I'll do anything, Mr. Potter. Please. Please help me. My wife and kids. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm calling the district attorney to swear out a warrant for your arrest. Malfeasance. Misappropriation of funds. Five hundred dollars. You know something, George? You're worth more dead than you are alive. Now get out of here. You won't be hard to find in a town like this. Get out! time, Potter had the $8,000 in his desk drawer. But, but where is George, sir? Where? Well, he went over to Martini's Cafe. He's had a couple of drinks, Clarence. He's just standing there at the bar, sort of in a daze. Oh, God. God. God in heaven. I'm not praying, man. But if you're up there and you can hear me, show me the way. I'm at the end of my rope. Show me the way, God. Are you all right, George? Want somebody to take you home? Why are you drinking so much, my friend? Please go home, Mr. Bailey. This is Christmas Eve. Oh, Bailey? You say Bailey? Which Bailey? This gentleman is Mr. George Bailey. George Bailey, huh? And the next time you talk to my wife like that, you'll get worse. She cried for an hour. It isn't enough she slaves teaching your stupid kids how to read and write. You gotta ball her out. You get out of here, Mr. Welch. You hit my best friend. Get out. All right, I'm going. You all right, George? Who was that? He's a gun. Don't worry. His name is Welch, but he don't come into this place no more. Oh, Welch. That's what I get for praying. The last time he come in here, you hear that, Nick? Sure, you bet. George, let me get you something for your face. It's bleeding. No, I'm all right. Please, don't go, Mr. Bailey. You don't feel so good. No, I'm all right. Oh, no, no, please don't go away, Mr. Bailey. Leave me alone. Well, it's time, Clarence. George Bailey's at the river now, on the bridge, looking down at the water. Are you ready? All ready, sir. Very well. Save George Bailey's life, and you'll get your wings. My wings? Oh, thank you, Joseph. George? George Bailey? I'm coming to save you. Do you hear me? George? George? We'll be back with It's a Wonderful Life, starring the Narada Radio Company in just a moment. After this important word from our sponsor. North Pole doing sliding up. Elf morale is in a trough. The fans is happy and that's enough. Smoking faster shields. They pacify. Ho, ho. <coughs> ho. Howdy, folks. Jolly old Saint Nick here. Coming to the microphone I'll let you know that Christmas may be delayed a little bit this year. <laughs> yeah, kids, your old pal Santa Claus has got himself better things to do than making toys and flying around the world delivering them. Yep, uh, ever since I started smoking them delicious 
Fester Shield cigarettes. I realize that life is too short to be kowtowing to a bunch of snot-nosed crumb grabbers. So if you need me, I'll be on an island in the South Seas, sipping some nice rum and smoking my fester shields. I may get back up to the North Pole one of these days, but don't count on it. <laughs> what? <laughs> Who's that? Oh, come on. Yeah, no, I can't stand to see a little tight ballin'. Uh, so, uh, uh, move over there, you little snot-nosed cum grabber. Well, I gotta be going now, Mary. Uh, Mary, whatever. Don't wish for a brand new bike. Santa's on a sit-down strike. Here he comes back to the mic. Send me faster, shields. Merry pacify. Let's return to It's a Wonderful Life, starring the Narada Radio Company. Numb with despair, convinced, as Mr. Potter said, that he's worth more dead than alive. George Bailey stands on a bridge, staring at the dark and frigid waters below. Suddenly, there's a splash. I'm drowning. Oh, help. Well, hey, no, hang on, mister. I'm coming. Uh, you fellas sure you're all right? Should I call a doctor? No, I'm all right. Oh, I'm fine, Mr. Bridgekeeper. Okie dokie. Say, what's that you got on? <laughs> I didn't have time to get some stylish underwear. My wife gave me this on my last birthday. I uh, passed away in it. You, uh, how's that, friend? Oh, I see Tom Sawyer's drying out nicely, too. Oh. My book. I left in such a hurry I brought it with me. <laughs> you should see what he's writing now. Oh, what who's writing now? Mark Twain. Hey. How'd you happen to fall in, mister? Oh, I didn't fall in. I jumped in to save George. You what? To save me? Well, I I did, didn't I? You didn't go through with it, did you? Go through with what? Suicide. Oh, it's against the law to commit suicide round here. Yeah, it's against the law where I come from, too. Where do you come from? Heaven. Very hey. funny. I had to act quickly. That's why I jumped in. I knew if I were drowning, you'd try to save me. And you see, you did. And that's how I saved you. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, your lip's bleeding. Yeah. I got a bust in the jaw in answer to a prayer a little bit ago. Oh, no, George. I'm the answer to your prayer. How do you know my name? Oh, I know all about you. I've watched you grow up from a little boy. Well, who are you, then? Clarence Oddbody, AS2. Oddbody? AS2? What's that AS2 for? Angel, second class. I'll be seeing you. You may not need a doctor, but I think I do. So long. Cheerio, my good man. Oh, brother. I wonder what Martini put in those drinks. Hey, hey, what'd you say a minute ago? Why'd you want to save me? That's what I was sent down for. I'm your guardian angel, George. 
I wouldn't be a bit surprised. Ridiculous of you to think of killing yourself for money. Huh, $8,000. Yeah, things like that. Now, how do you know about that? I told you. I'm your guardian angel. I know everything about you. Well, you look about like the kind of angel I'd get. Sort of a fallen angel, aren't you? What happened to your wings? I haven't won my wings yet. That's why I'm an angel second class. I don't know whether I like it very much, but you can around with an angel without any wings. <sighs> oh, I've got to earn them. And you can help me, George, by letting me help you. Only one way you can help me. You don't happen to have 8,000 bucks on you, do you? Oh, no, no. We don't use money in heaven. Oh, that's right. I keep forgetting. Comes in pretty handy down here, bub. Oh, tut, tut, tut. Of course, I found it out a little late. You know, I'm worth more dead than alive. You mustn't talk like that. I won't get my wings with that attitude. You just don't know all that you've done. Why, if it hadn't been for you... Yeah, if it hadn't been for me, everybody would be better off. My wife and my kids and my friends... Look, little fella, go off and haunt oh, somebody else, will ya? This is not going to be easy. They'll all have been better off if I hadn't been born. What did you say? I said I wish I'd never been born. <sighs> you mustn't say things like that. Oh, you... Oh, wait a minute. That gives me an idea. Joseph, what do you think? Yeah, that'll do it. All right. George, that's wonderful. Wonderful? What? The idea you just gave me. You got your wish. You've never been born. Oh, you don't have to make all that fuss about it, Joseph. What did you say? You've never been born. You don't exist. You haven't a care in the world. No worries, no obligations, no $8,000 to get. No Potter looking for you with the sheriff. This ear of mine. Say something else in that ear. Sure. You can hear out of it. Well, that's a doggonest thing. I haven't heard out of that ear since I was a kid. Must have been that jump in the cold water. Your lips stopped bleeding too, George. Yeah. Yeah. Say, what's happening around here? It stopped snowing too, hasn't it? What is this anyway? I need a drink. That's what I need. What about you, Gabriel? You want a drink? Clarence. 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 Come on, come on. We'll go as soon as these clothes of ours are dry. Our clothes are dry, George. Well, what do you know about that? Stove's harder than I thought. Now, come on. Get your clothes on and we'll stroll over to Martini's and then... Oh, excuse me. I meant I'll stroll. You fly. I can't fly. I haven't got you any haven't got wings. got your wings. That's right. I keep forgetting. A couple of drinks and we'll both fly. Come on. What do you have, fellas? No, hello, Nick. Where's Martini? You want a martini? No, no, Martini, your boss. Where is he? Look, wise guy, I'm the boss, see? Okay, all right. Double bourbon, quick, huh? Okay. What's yours? Oh, I was just thinking. Hmm, it's been so long since I... Look, mister, I'm standing here waiting for you to make up your mind. That's a good man. I was just thinking of a flaming rum punch. No, no, it's it's not cold enough for that. Wait a minute. I've got it. Mulled wine. Huh? Heavy on the cinnamon and light on the cloves. Off with you, my lad. Look lively now. Hey, look, mister. We serve hard drinks in here for men who want to get drunk fast. And we don't need no characters around to give the joint atmosphere. Is that clear? Or do I have to slip in my left for a convincer? 
George. What's he talking about? Nick, Nick, just give him the same as me. He's okay. Ooh, two double boilings. What's the matter with him? I never saw Nick act like that before. You'll see a lot of strange things from now on. Oh, yeah. Hey, little fella, you worry me. You got some place to sleep? No. You don't, huh? Well, have you got any money? No. Well, no wonder you jumped in the river. I jumped in the river to save you so I could get my wings. What? Oh, good. Good. Somebody's just made it. Made what? Every time you hear a bell ring, it means some angel's just got his wings. What did you say? Oh, look, Clarence, uh, I don't think you better talk about angels around here. Don't they believe in angels? Oh, yeah, they believe in them, but, you know, it's just, um... Then why should they be surprised when they see one? <sighs> don't mind him, Nick. He's just a little fellow that never grew up. How old are you anyway, Clarence? 293, um, next May. That does it? Out you goofballs go, through the door, or out the window. Look, Nick, what's wrong? And that's another thing. Where do you get off calling me Nick? But Nick, that's your name. What's that got to do with it? I don't know you from Adam's off ox. Wait. Hey, you. Rummy, come here. Didn't I tell you never to come panhandling around here? George, look! Hey, hey, it's Mr. Gower. Mr. Gower, listen, Mr. Gower, don't you know me? I'm George Bailey. Yeah, you buy me a drink, mister? Just one drink, will you, mister? Tinky, throw it on Romeo. Oh, no, no, please not. Wait, Nick, wait. Isn't that Mr. Gower, the druggist? You know, that's another reason for me not to like you. That rum pot spent 20 years in jail for poisoning a kid. If you know him, you must be a jail boy yourself. Pinky, would you show these gentlemen to the door? (laughs) Get me. I'm giving out wings. Get up, George. It's a good thing he threw us in the snowbank, eh? You see, George, you weren't there to stop Gower from putting poison into that prescription. What do you mean I wasn't there? I remember distinctly. What's going on around here? It's ought to be Martini's place, but it says Nick's above the door. Look, who are you? I told you, George. I'm your guardian angel. Yeah, yeah, I know. What else are you? Are you some kind of hypnotist? George, of course not. Well, then why am I seeing all these strange things? Don't you understand? It's because you were not born. But if I wasn't born, who am I? Nobody. You have no identity. What do you mean, no identity? My name's George Bailey. There is no George Bailey. You have no papers, no cards, no driver's license, no 4F card, no insurance policy. Zuzu's Bell. What? Zuzu's Bell. I bought my little girl a bell to hang on the Christmas tree and I had it in my... It's gone. It's gone, too. Everything is gone. Don't you see? You've been given a great gift, George. A chance to see what the world would be like if you'd never been born. Wait a minute here. Wait a minute here. This is some form of a funny dream I'm having. It has to be. So long, mister. I'm going home. Home? What home? Now shut up! Cut it out! You're you're, you're crazy! You're crazy as a bedbug and you're driving me crazy, too. You got me seeing things. So look... I'm going home to my wife and family. Do you understand that? And I'm going home alone. Better not leave them alone, Clarence. 
Keep after him. Joseph. Oh, I'll stay near him, sir. Poor George. He's seeing Main Street now the way it would be if he hadn't lived. Bedford Falls is now called Pottersville. But the thing that's really shocked him, sir, is the building and loan office. It's a dance hall now. What's he doing? Can you see? He's down the street talking to Ernie Bishop, the taxi driver. He wants to go home. You'd better tag along, Clarence. Oh, I will, sir. I will. Did you have a drink in that bar? No, sir. Come on, Ernie, step on it. Get me home. I'm off my nut. Where do you live, buddy? Oh, doggone it, Ernie. Don't you start pulling that stuff on me. 320 Sycamore. 326 or more? Yeah, yeah, hurry up. Zuzu's sick. All right. Look here, Ernie. Straighten me out here. I've had some bad liquor or something. Now listen, you're Ernie Bishop, and you live in Bailey Park with your wife and kid, right? You've seen my wife? Seen your wife? Been to your house a hundred times. We built it for you, didn't we? Look, bud, what's the idea? I live in a shack in Potter's Field, and my wife ran away three years ago and took the kid, and I ain't never seen you before in my life. Okay, Ernie. Just step on it. Get me home. Is this the place? Of course it's the place. This place ain't been lived in for 20 years. Sure looks different. Uh, I guess I better get a closer look. They're not here, George. You have no wife, no children. Where are they? What have you done with them? All right, this is the police. No fast moves. Come on out here with your hands up. Oh, Bert. Bert, thank heaven you're here. Stand back, you. Bert, what's happened to this house? Where's Mary? Where's my kids? I think I'd better be going. Hold up, Ernie. Look, fella. Now, why don't you be a good kid and we'll take you to a doctor? Everything's gonna be all right. Bert? Now, Bert, listen to me. What's the matter with you guys? Now, listen, it's that fellow there. He says he's an angel. He tried to hypnotize me. I hate to use me nightstick, but I guess I... Oh! Run, George, oh. run! Oh, let loose of me! <laughs> George, run! My teeth aren't what they used to be. Help, Joseph, help! Joseph? Joseph? Where'd he go, Ernie? Where'd he go? I had him right here. Help me find him. I, I, I need a drink. <laughs> oh, here you are, George. I've been looking all over. My mother. My own mother didn't even know me. The house is a, a boarding house. She said that Uncle Billy went insane after he lost the building alone. He had been in an asylum for 20 years. Strange, isn't it? Each man's life touches so many other lives. And when he isn't around, he leaves an awful hole, doesn't he? I've heard about things like this. You've got me under some kind of spell or something. I've got to get out of it, and I know how, too. I've got to go back to the spot where everything changed. The last man I talked to before all this stuff started happening to me was Martini. You know where he lives? Sure I know where he lives. Bailey Park.
Are you sure this is Bailey Park? Well, I'm not sure of anything anymore. Looks like a cemetery to me. It should be Bailey Park. But where are the houses? You weren't here to build them. Wait. This stone. What's it say? In memory of our beloved son, Harry Bailey. 1911 to... 1919? Your brother fell through the ice and was drowned at the age of eight. That's a lie. Harry Bailey went to war. He got the Congressional Medal of Honor. He's, he saved the lives of every man on that transport. Every man on that transport died. Harry wasn't there to save them because you weren't there to save Harry. Don't you see, George? You really had a wonderful life. Don't you see what a mistake it would be to throw it away? Clarence. Yes, George? Where's Mary? Please, where's my wife? I, I, I'm not supposed to tell. Tell me where she is. You're not going to like it, George. Where is she? I'll choke it out of you if I have to. She, she's an old maid. You'd never recognize her. Where's my wife? She's just getting ready to close the public library. George! George, come back! Oh, there must be some easier way for me to get my wings. Mary! Mary! I'm sorry, the library is closed. Mary, it's George. Don't you know me? No, I, I don't know you. No, let me Mary, go. Mary, please don't do this to me. Ma- let please, me Mary, go. help me. Where's our kids? I, I need me. you, Mary. Help me, Get Mary. Get away from me. Help, help me, Mary. Mary, I'm your husband. Help! Clarence. Clarence. Clarence, where are you? I'm here, George. We're back where this whole thing started. Help me, Clarence. Get me back. I don't care what happens to me. Only get me back to my wife and kids, please. I want to live again. Oh, thank you, George. That's music to my ears. I want to live again, please. Oh, God, please, let me live again. George? Is that you down there, George? Now you get out of here, Bert. Get out of here. You get any closer and I'll slug you. What the Sam Hill you yelling for, George? Come on. George. Bert, do you know me? Know you? I've been looking all over town for you. Where have you been? Bert. Bert. I'm alive again, Bert. You sure you're all right? Hey, your mouth's bleeding. It is? Hey, my mouth's bleeding. Bert, would you look at that? Oh, wait, there's a Christmas bell. Bert, I had it in my pocket. Here it is. Hey, it's in my pocket. What do you know about that? Hey, Merry Christmas, Bert. Well, Merry Christmas. Get in the car. I'll drive you home. You will, Bert? Well, we'll do that and turn the sirens wide open, huh? Christmas, you wonderful old building alone. Bert, Bert, stop a second. Okay. Merry Christmas, Mr. Potter. Yippee! Happy New Year to you in jail. Go on home. They're waiting for you. Step on it, Bert. You heard what the man said. They're waiting for me. Hey, Bert, come on in with me, huh? Oh, I can't, George. I gotta head out to the airport and check on some, uh, cargo. See you later. Merry Christmas, Mr. Potter! Yippee! Happy New Year to you in jail. Go on home. They're waiting for you. Step on it, Bert. You heard what the man said. They're waiting for me. Step on it, Bert. You heard what the man said. They're waiting for me. Step on it
Mary! Oh, oh, hello, everybody. Uh, Mr. Bank Examiner, Merry Christmas. Uh, Mr. Bailey, there's a deficit. I know, $8,000. George, I got a little paper here. I'm sorry. Hiya, Sheriff. I'll bet it's a warrant for my arrest. Isn't that wonderful? Merry Christmas. Mr. Bailey, the in the paper. Where's Mary? Mary! Oh, look at this wonderful old drafty house. Mary! Mary! Have any of you seen my wife? Merry Christmas, Daddy! Oh, kids! Hey, kids! Petey, Janie, Tommy, oh, I could eat you up. Where's your mother? She went looking for you, Daddy, with Uncle Billy. Daddy! Zuzu? Zuzu, my little ginger snap, how do you feel? Fine, Daddy, not a smidge of temperature. Not a smidge of temperature. George! Darling! Mary! Mary! George, darling, where have you been? Mary, just let me touch you. Oh, are you real? Oh, you have no idea what's happened to me. Oh, you have no idea what's happened either. They're on their way over here. All right. Now, come on in here now. Now, you just stand right over here by the tree, right there, and don't move. Don't move. I can hear them now, George. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. Uncle Billy, what, what is it? Give me your money, George. A basket filled with money. Uh, Mary did it, George. Mary, she told a few people you were in trouble, and they scattered all over town collecting money. They didn't ask questions, just said, if George is in trouble, count on me. You never saw anything like it. <laughs> Tom. Hi, Tom. Well, what's this, George? Another run on the bank? Well, here's the 242 I owe you. Charlie, how are you? Here you are, George. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Yeah, folks, the line forms on the right. Well, hiya, Mr. Martini. Step right up. I've busted a jukebox, too. <laughs> Annie. Oh, why, it's good old Annie. I've been saving up for a divorce if ever I get a husband. <laughs> oh, why, Mr. Gower, you wouldn't believe how good it is to see you. Here you go, George. I made the rounds of my charge accounts. <laughs> I wouldn't have a roof over my head if it wasn't for you, George. Hey, just a minute. Quiet, everybody. Quiet. A wire has just been delivered. Quiet. This is from London. Mr. Gower cables you need cash. Stop. My office instructed to advance you up to $25,000. Stop. Hee-haw and Merry Christmas, signed Sam Wainwright. Hey. Mr. Martini, how about some wine? That's right. That's right. Atta boy, Clarence. 
Your shield of satisfaction have just presented It's a Wonderful Life, which was adapted for live performance and directed by Pete Muss. This adaptation was taken from both the March 10th, 1947 broadcast of the Lux Radio Theater and the December 29th, 1947 broadcast of the Camel Screen Guild Players. Music was by Dr. Ross Bernhardt. Our cast consisted of the following players. Dana Gonsalves as George Bailey. Michelle Barnett as Clarence. Chuck Wilson as Joseph, Pop Bailey, Randall, and good old Rex the Wonder Dog. <laughs> Jessica Matthews as Franklin, Mary Bailey, Mrs. Thompson, and Zuzu. Pete Lutz as Annie, Mr. Potter, Old Man Collins, Mr. Martini, Nick, Bert the Cop, and the Bridge Keeper. Eileen Corpos' Dr. Campbell, Mrs. Hatch, Mr. Welch, a bank employee, Ed, and Cousin Tilly, and Charlie. Jordan Brewster as a boy, Harry Bailey, Tom, Eustace, Sam Wainwright, and Pete Bailey. John Bell as Mr. Gower, Joe, Uncle Billy, Ernie the Taxi Driver, the Angry Man, and the Sheriff. Don Robertson as a boy. Mrs. Bailey, the worried woman, a bank employee, and Jeannie Bailey. Ross Bernhardt as the bystander, Horace, and Mr. Carter. Your announcers were John Bell and Dawn Robertson. The Fester Shield cigarettes commercials were written by Pete Lutz and Dana Gonzalez and featured the following players. Pete Lutz as the Fester Shield announcer, Eileen Corpos as Mrs. Naguares, John Bell as the clerk in the dispatch voice, Don Robertson as the driver, Jordan Brewster as the teenager in the crying kid, Rochelle Barnett as the mom, Dana Gonzalez as the trooper, Chuck Wilson as Santa Claus, and Jessica Matthews, Chuck Wilson, Ross Bernhardt, and Jordan Brewster as your Fester Shields Quartet. Live sound effects were created by Pete Lutz and performed by Pete Lutz, Michelle Barnett, Dana Gonzalez, John Bell, and Jessica Matthews. This is Don Robertson in Hollywood. On behalf of our director and the Narada Radio Company, we say goodnight and happy holidays. Friends, friends, Fester Shields are now on sale at all fine tobacconists. Why not buy a pack and slam your hand in a door? This has been a 63 audio production. Thanks, everybody. Thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight's presentation was a labor of love for all of us on this stage. Uh, like its forebears on radio a generation or two ago, audio drama is the theater of the imagination. Our attempt to create the story in your minds using only music, sound effects, and our voices. We sincerely hope that we succeeded and that you enjoyed our humble effort. And now, good night, and please take with you the fateful words of film star and icon Marilyn Monroe. It wasn't true that I had nothing on. I had the radio on.
Thank you and good night. Good morning. We hope you're enjoying Saturday Story Circle. Got enough cereal? How's the coloring going? You can always join us tomorrow on Mutual with the Sunday Showcase, original audio drama from the United Artists of Audio right here on Mutual. Subscribe to the full Mutual Audio Network feed for exciting audio drama every day or find the Sunday Showcase feed in your favorite podcast players. The Mutual Audio Network, listening and imagining together.